This is the Master Plan. I am Alex Mademochoritis. If you've lived in the same city for the last 15 to 20 years, you have most likely seen parts of it change. Many times what happens is that big foreign investors will move into your city and big global retail brands will start altering the fabric of your neighborhood or its cultural identity. And we all reach at some point this moment where we walking around different neighborhoods of different cities and we're witnessing the exact same stores selling the exact same stuff. Now in very rough terms, that's how most people experience what we call gentrification, a term that is very commonly associated with the deterioration of a neighborhood's cultural identity. However, these changes on a neighborhood's cultural identity tend to have disproportionate effects on minority communities as one of the main effects of gentrification are an increase in property rental value. Displacement due to gentrification is a very real thing and needs to be looked at closely as there's a severe lack of policy to protect migrants and minorities from it. Maria Ivanova and Ruby Chen will help us explore the inevitability of socioeconomic growth and the different ways we can make its impact less traumatizing for migrant ethnicities who are forced to relocate. Gentrification, uh, it's a process in which poor areas of city, of the city experience an uh, influx of middle class of wealthy people who renovate and rebuild homes and businesses and which often results as an increase in property values and displacement of earlier, usually poorer residents. And gentrification means rising houses, pri housing prices, demographic displacement, fancy shops, restaurants instead of local shops, Starbucks, healthy food restaurants. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean... Uh... We want to project this to a particular case, uh, tackling uh, migrant ethnic groups who move to the uh, metropolises and developing cities in Europe and the US and Australia. Right. No, I mean, I, I understand that gentrification, even though it's a very complex topic, the roots of which I'm not sure we fully understand yet, uh, it changes between city and city, no? Uh, it also has a very particular effect on minorities in cities. They, they're the ones that feel it the most. Usually they're the ones that dis are, are uh, displaced, let's say. Um, so I'm not sure if you've um, if you've gone through the the research. I, I'm, I assume that you have, but what is generally the cause of gentrification? Usually, as at least as I understand it, it's it has a direct connection with let's say uh, increase in rental prices. Uh, it affects the cultural identity of a particular neighborhood or district in the city, um, and. It's mainly, I mean, one, one of the, let's say, key connections that are popularly um, associated with gentrification is tourism, right? We will uh, mention this phenomenon of gentrification uh, affected by tourism in uh, Barcelona's case later. So, yes, uh, we made recently a project uh, dedicated to the same topic in urban sensing class and we found out that gentrification uh, can be uh, 
affected by uh, developing of public transport net, mm. city attractor and touristic points of interest uh, growth and also rent prices growth. Um, um, so how, thought, how do you, like, as a, as a citizen, how do you feel gentrification? Because, again, it, it's, it's a very fancy word, right? Uh, it, it's a bit of a standalone word in the English dictionary to gentrify. It doesn't really have a, let's say, a, an associate uh, terminology. Um, but how would one citizen feel the effects of gentrification uh, immediately, let's say, directly? Like if you sign a contract to rent an apart apartment for a year and the next year you want to sign another contract, you immediately feel the rental price rise by 10%. It's not only this apartment, it's all the apartment around. You can feel it. And also maybe some local shops, like some local Spanish food shop might dis disappeared and replaced by some fancy fusion food. <laughs> <laughs> or Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> Usually gentrification historically has been associated with Starbucks. It's been popularized quite a lot in, uh, in, yeah. in media, right? And for me, maybe the reason behind this gentrification is the city, the urban development development always comes from an unequal way. Hmm. It always, the capital and the human resource concentrated on one certain particular area and it have a very rapid growth in this area and, and the development somehow can spread around the city. So it's always unequal and after some years, the the social economic status get changed, and so the gentrification comes. You mean of that part, the socioeconomic status of that particular yes. neighborhood, right? Yes. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a natural kind of phenomena. You know, the more let's say, I don't know, investors come in a city, they, you need to somehow bring that investment in a particular uh, locale in the city, that being a neighborhood or a district, naturally the rent rental prices are going to increase, more fancy shops, as you mentioned, are going to appear, and the land use tends to naturally change, the land function. So it, there's definitely, I understand, I mean, from, from a top-down perspective, gentrification is not necessarily a bad word. It's just... Uh, it's not associated necessarily to only bad things. It's just, it's it's kind of a, a word that tends to represent the, let's say, the, 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 the worst aspects of investment in cities, right? In particular neighborhoods. Of course, and I think this is what we want to, to take this discussion towards, is the, that gentrification is not felt by everybody the same way, you know? It's particularly minorities. Uh, migrant, minorities. migrant minorities. They have different, sometimes different expectations uh, from the city they come to. Uh, so they expect to have a bright future uh, coming to a famous, uh, well-developed migrant destinations. 
like city of Melbourne, uh, New York City, London, etc. Maybe it's important to touch on um, on the importance of cultural identity of a particular district, right? How do we how do we understand the cultural identity of a particular district, and when do we start feeling the change? Meaning, if a again, I, I think it really it really depends on the let's say the relationship of the particular citizens and the history of the part of the particular neighborhood. No, so. If a series of saloons start closing down in the Washington Heights uh, and they start being replaced by retail shops, uh, coffee shops, fancy coffee shops that sell uh, serve cappuccinos and espressos, uh, <clears throat> clearly, I mean, you're going to feel the change. You're going to feel that you know so something different is happening, right? There's a there's a new wave, let's say, of younger generations that are starting to change the ID. Or the identity of of that particular neighborhood, right? Uh, what are kind of like the first reactions that you've identified in people when these changes tend to occur in a place? Is it, it, it's? I mean, I've kind of seen it also in my in my hometown. It's almost like a, a feeling of disappointment. Oh my God! Like they're opening another Starbucks, or oh look at that! There used to be a nice bar here, and now it's an H and M. What's happening? What's happening? Right, you're starting to get this feeling of confusion of, and I get it. I mean, a couple of months maybe after the H and M opens, you'll probably be going there and buying clothes, and you'll have already forgotten of your favorite bar um, because something you're hoping that something else will open up soon enough somewhere else. Um, so I think again, this is this is a natural occurrence. The problem become, be, be, uh, begins when it disproportionately affects um, unprivileged, let's say, demographics, right? So maybe we can go a bit deeper into that. Where, so what, what usually happens where, when migrant groups have to relocate uh, from the process of the socioeconomic growth? Where do they usually go? How are they particularly affected? So we did the research in Melbourne city, uh, we analyzed uh, how the uh, social economic change, the patterns in Melbourne city, in the greater Melbourne area. And also we identified some progress change areas and regress change areas. And then we zoom into those area to find which minority group have the population have, cha uh, have changed. Uh, yeah, from uh, those area, um, we can see that Australian Aboriginal people, they, their population are both changed in those progress area and regress area because they have a lot of support from the policy side. So this is, sorry, this is important, but th this is in a difference of 10 years, right? Yes. In a, th that, that's important. So yes. the first census data was collected in 2011 and then they compared it with census data of 2021. And you're referring to the differences that they found in the demographics yes. uh, be in between those 10 years, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Basically, we wanted to prove this correlation that uh, uh, some ethnicities uh, have to move away, move out from uh, gentrifying areas, whether, uh, for example, uh, more uh, well-paid Ethnicities, like, for example, European, 
German, Dutch, uh, French uh, minorities uh, tend to uh, have a growth in population in uh, gentrifying areas. So they are gentrifiers and they gentrify uh, Middle Eastern minorities, for example. So and what you found is that in these 10 years, German, we proved French, this right. Dutch, Dutch population uh, overcame the Indian right. one. So Indian population uh, moved to more uh, stagnant and even degrading areas uh, in uh, this dark, dark purple color, negative negative change. It's that uh, areas are not that much progressive as uh, yellow ones, or even some amenities were taken away from there. For example, in 2011, there were some airport terminals. Now they just close them there and build up new ones in uh, closer to these uh, yellow areas. Interesting. What, what, why, why these minorities? Why these demographics in particular? Why is there a particular focus on Europe versus India, in this case, in Melbourne? What's the correlation here? What's the... the... Uh, because from our analysis, uh, these two groups have shown very big changes in those two types of areas. And we also want to zoom into some other area, uh, like uh, zoom into some other groups like Chinese population, but their changes are have more diversity. And we are kind of lacking some internal factors to analyze uh, which minority group is different with another one. So that's why we selected these two area, uh, two minority groups. Interesting. So the jump in population uh, is more significant in uh, the contrast between Dutch people population in this census in 2011 and uh, the growth and the decline of Indian population. So we just we measured the contrast, the um, polarity. Yeah. So basically, the story here is that, I mean, let's say that I'm, uh, I come from India, I want to go to Australia, I'm promised a better future, uh, I go to Melbourne, I, found, I find a place, uh, have a family, in the span of 10 years, I, get, I, mean, I get a job, uh, I start growing my career, <clears throat> and at some point, I'm asked to relocate because... And this is, this is what I'm trying to understand. Is it, is it that I'm forced to relocate? Or is it that uh, the cultural identity changes so radically that I don't find anything that I relate to anymore in this particular gentrified neighborhood that I used to live in, and I decide that I have to move somewhere else because the rental prices, uh, maybe that's the reason. No, it's the rental prices that are increasing, and I can no longer pay for rent, right? Yes. The, they, their displacement is more like a natural uh, process of, urban development and just unfortunately you have to leave because uh, the areas you leave, the surroundings are getting, uh, the housing price are getting uh, higher and higher and a lot of your Indian communities choose to leave. 
And in the end, maybe some people still remain in this living in this area because uh, they still can afford.、Um, and yes, that's the internal diversity of this particular ethnic group. Not even、uh, residential houses prices, but、uh, as I mentioned before in this play,、uh, business rental prices also growing up. And if、uh, some minorities have their local businesses,、uh, hairdressers, saloons,、uh, car service,、uh, uh, no, they have to close it, move, move、uh, out of the city border or closer to it. So, or just, or just back home.、Uh, yes, and when people. Uh, return back home.、Uh, they face、uh, economic, political, and health and unfavorable、uh, conditions. So,、uh, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they basically have to relocate to a place where you know it sucks. <laughs> it's not. It's not nice over there. I mean, for lack of a better word. Uh, I can no longer pay rent, so I have to find uh, a house uh, that costs less and in a, in a neighborhood that is most likely further away from the city center. Clearly, the accessibility is lower to more amenities, and my life changes rapidly. And all because、uh, there's a rapid influx of、uh, I don't know Germans or Dutch or French or any kind of、uh, minority that、uh, demographic, sorry, that is being prioritized by. By the city,、uh, the city administration. You know, like it, it makes me think. There's a, this particular example now that came to my mind that it always, it always kind of like shock, shocks me every time that I think about it. But now I'm putting the two dots together. I think it, it, you could say that it is a form of gentrification. It, this example is in Singapore. So Singapore is a very small place, right? Very small country,、uh, and it saw a huge、uh, growth in the last. Twenty to thirty years, right? So, based on what I've heard,、uh, the story goes that at some point, Singapore, the city of Singapore, was growing so rapidly that they ran out of land, and in order for the city to expand, they actually had to overtake the cemeteries. Yeah. So get this. This is where it gets freaky. Now, in Singapore, burial tradition.、Um, Implies that the dead must be buried up on a hill, yeah, because the spirits usually go from the top and they flow downwards、uh, towards the people. Now, the city administration of Singapore asked their relatives of the dead to unbury their relatives, and that's number one. I mean, imagine being asked. To remove your dead relative from the ground, and if that's not enough, they also introduced a new type of burial, completely different to the tradition of Singapore, which is cremation. Yeah. In Paris, nobody asked. <laughs> in 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 Paris. In Paris. Yes. What happened in Paris? So,、uh, as I know, some cemeteries they were just、uh, sorted out to. The underground、uh, burial, like、um, 
some year, some old European city cemeteries from medieval times. They just oh, like maybe no relatives uh, uh, to ask, but they had that. Uh, I mean, this practice of uh, reducing cemetery area or reducing the whole cemetery, like quite old in history. And Are you referring to the catacombs in Paris? Or? Yes, yeah. yes. So, uh, yeah, as as I understood, as I remember that from history, that just some um, ground-up cemeteries were taken away to go underground. Uh, the, so some overground yes. cemeteries yes. were yes. actually yes. put yes. underground yes. in order to retrieve more land to, yes. to build. Yes. Wow. That That's a bit of an extreme scenario, no? Don't you think? But would you say that this is an effect of... Would you say that the phenomenon here is gentrification or just would we just generalize it and call it rapid urban development? I think it's rapid development. Right. Because so what, what's the difference in your view? Uh, gentrification means this area has already developed and okay. just because of some reasons, the f housing price is still quite lower than other area. Like, for example, Pompliano before the 22 at is just an industrial area. What is Pompliano? Nobody knows. Pompliano is a district in Barcelona. All right. Yeah. Okay. Before the 22 at initiative, it's just an industrial area. But after the government started to uh, put the uh, 22 ad into this district, um, they started to have a lot of companies established in this area and mainly some technical technology companies yeah. and some very good educational institute like IAC. <laughs> and those people are relatively, they have high, higher income. And so around Pompleno, we can see a lot of fancy, well, fancy, healthy food restaurants. Yeah, it's true. I mean, Pobleno is, is quite gentrified, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Right? And it's very international. It, it, you, you lack the local character of Barcelona. Yeah, and I see all the maps that printed for each district in Barcelona. Only Pobleno have an English map. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, that's a very good point. And you know, it's really... Like you really feel the difference when you're walking in Pobleno and you cross the Rambla del Pobleno. All of a sudden, it's like it's local again. You know, it's Catalan. It's Spanish, right? Catalan, yeah. All of a sudden, you, the the identity changes. Yeah, this is another interesting case of gentrification that works not even against uh, some migrant ethnicities, but against local people living here because uh, we found a um, research uh, made uh, for identifying to uh, tourism influence on uh, uh, gentrification in Barcelona. So local authorities uh, were, they had a high interest to make Barcelona is a tourist destination. It was a strategic aim uh, 
since late uh, 80s of last century and as a result they finally got this significant dose in tourism uh, and now if we zoom into for example gothic quarter or gothic district oh boy. Uh, we can uh, see that for 100 uh, inhabitants, six more than 60 uh, people uh, are foreigners, tourists. tourists. Wow. Yes, and uh, also it's, it was highly affected by an Airbnb sprawl. Yeah. So, um, such platforms like Airbnb, they are all. Uh, based on English language and uh, they attract tourists from uh, other European countries and US um, and these nom uh, digital nomads. Yeah, I mean Barcelona is a great example for this, right? I mean, especially the old city, it's a bit of a theme park, right? It's a bit. It's a bit like you you walk into uh, a historic theme park, but y you don't really find any locals in the old city of Barcelona. So Raval, Gotico, Born, uh, Barceloneta, and this displacement that you put on the table, I think it's also quite clear in, in the case of Barcelona. Like the locals are usually up in the north. Yeah, so from this population register of uh, from 1908 to 2017, you can see that the tendency of uh, uh, foreign nationalities uh, has, slightly increased. has yeah. increased, and Spanish have the same as the same line that decreasing down, approximately the same. So. Interesting. Where do you think these uh, close to 5,000 Spanish nationals uh, go? Because there's a difference. I mean, from 1998 to 2017, you can see it went from 15,000 all the way down to, well, let's say, 13,000 to 11,000. So wh wh where do you think they went? Do you think they stayed uh, in Barcelona or do you think they, they moved outside of the city? I met some uh, local people who live outside the city, never asked them why, yeah. but um, comparing, comparing uh, the first year of 1998, you see that the whole population was uh, Spanish, uh, born in, uh, were born in uh, Catalonia or outside but in Spain, still in Spain, and then 2017, these new colors added, uh, it's all uh, foreigners, mostly from Europe. Uh, and also Latin America and Asia. I think most of those Spanish residents just moved another district of Barcelona, most of them, because Barcelona is a good city, it offers very good job opportunity. Why do they want to move 
to another place. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, I, I guess it's also their home. So yes. it's a matter of re relocating to another neighborhood, maybe to a, di a different district in the city. But it's true. I mean, Barcelona has made almost a, a deal with the devil when back in the, what, what was it, 1998 Olympics, they just pledged uh, to increase tourism rapidly and rebrand the whole city completely. So, I mean, I think they, they were aware of what they were signing up for. Uh, it's a small city, so when you become uh, one of the main destinations in Europe, uh, summer destinations in Europe, you're definitely going to to feel the effects on your cultural identity. Uh, but it also brought a lot of money to the city, right? Yes, it, it depends. A huge amount of money. Depends on how the government gets their revenue. Like, for example, Barcelona, I believe they got a lot of money from tourism. From the city tax, they charge from the tourists. And also, actually, I have another case about this. It's about the Chinatown. Oh, okay. Well, what about that? Yeah, that sounds interesting. So, would you say that Chinatowns are uh, an example of a gentrified area? Well, it's a, the Chinatown in New York City, they are experiencing gentrification. Um, well, a developer, they built, they just built a very fancy luxury apartments near the Chinatown, which is nice in the lower east side of Manhattan. And in this area, two-thirds of the residents in Chinatown in this area are people of color, mainly Chinese people, and a small amount of Hispanic. In this area, the median family income is only $40,000, but the condo costs one million to four million apiece. So it's quite a very luxury apartment. And yeah, so the people started to protest against this construction because this luxury towers will definitely increase the rental price and property tax and some living cost in this area. But New York City, like a lot of American cities, is incentivized to promote the growth of property values because it depends heavily on property tax for the government revenue. Interesting. So, I mean, what, what, what's, the, what's the main takeaway here? Like, how are city councils and administration, administrations actually approaching this issue because it is an issue it is in everybody's mind at the end of the day uh, is there a way to regulate it decrease gentrification or somehow compensate the ones that are affected negatively more more negatively uh, from it than others because clearly there are winners from gentrification right yes but what about the ones that you know are disadvantaged from it how how are they helped how are they uh, approached compensated Or are they completely marginalized? And what, what do you think? Maybe social housing could help in this case. Like if you're developing a particular area, you have to establish a significant part of it uh, taken for social housing for these people who has to relocate from uh, demolition. Uh, and areas. And also, um, the government could, they ask the broker to build 
when they build a luxury apartment, they should also build an affordable apartment in this area to relocate those people on site. I mean, ideally, we wouldn't have to get to this point where we would have to compensate anyone. Ideally, there would be a tracker for gentrification in any particular neighborhood. But how can you measure the gentrification level of a neighborhood? This is, this is something that I mean, at least I haven't seen. How would that be measured? So if you have a tracker of gentrification, it, it exceeds a certain level. It's a, it's a scale of 1 to 10. One being low gentrification, ten being extreme gentrification. If the measurement actually exceeds the scale of five, that means that displacement is going to occur. Therefore, we know what set of actions to happen, or we would be able to reduce the level of gentrification or not let it increase anymore. Moderate the pressure. Moderate the pressure, yeah. But how do you even measure that? Maybe rental prices jump comparing to the other city neighborhoods? I would say become uh, first we have medium family income as uh, in general how much money you make for a year to um, I mean for your living living expense in this city in this area and on the other hand, we have the housing price, which means it's most basically the most, uh, the majority of living expense if you rent an apartment. And if you buy an apartment, you still have to pay the mortgage. So we can compare these two numbers. If the housing price in this area compared to the uh, family income rich, um, increasing, a see a very big jump in the city, it means this area has been gentrified a lot. Interesting. That, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because you, you need to be able to compare the average rental price with the average uh, income of a particular, let's say, family or individual in that particular neighborhood. So if there's a huge, if, if there's a disproportionate relationship between the two, then you know that you're tilting the balance towards more gentrification, and then the negative effects are going to eventually come. Uh, people will not be able to pay their rent anymore. The Again, uh, the, the demographics are suddenly going to change, but people who are actually able to, to pay the rent, and uh, not only the rent, but also uh, the cost of the land use itself. Um, but it it feels it still feels that this is not looked at. Is it is it me? Is it is it my impression? It it feels that gentrification is something that we realize after it happens. We realize it after we wake up one morning and see Starbucks next to Zara, next to H and M. Yes, yes. Instead of local stores and the same route to our workplace. Um, I think that the main um, uh, the main problem here, uh, according to ethnicities, mm -hmm. is that it's very hard to live abroad without the community when it's torn apart by such processes. People. Can get could get really depressed and uh, lost, and 
that's like that's increase uh, increases the marginal level or uh, mental diseases like populate like the, the whole it affects the whole city then not only these minorities so for uh, for making more stable this uh, whole city population uh, condition mm -hmm. uh, we should we should not forget about uh, uh, the gentrification phenomenon can hit the uh, yeah. most vulnerable uh, residents. Yeah. Do you think there's gentrification is a new phenomenon? Do you think it existed back in old times? I have a feeling that it started again as a as a thought. I have a feeling that it started after globalization, when you know you have things again like we've mentioned so many times: Starbucks, Zara, H and M, fast retail, McDonald's, fast food, places where you know franchises that you can just replicate from place to place. And you know that they have a global audience, uh, and you know that there's a stable market that's driving their prices. Uh, everybody around the world has an equal, let's say, almost an equal uh, share to open up at their own McDonald's or their own H&M or whatever. Uh, what do you think? Is, is this something new or is, is there an older version of gentrification, do you think? I think displacement always happens hmm. because eventually this is becomes a social economic stays of the people living there does not match the urban development anymore. Maybe this is a word we realized very late. It's a phenomenon we realized very late, but I think this always happens. And I guess it will continue happening. Yes. And also those Starbucks, McDonald's, they have a very replicable business model so they can spread like a virus in the world. Yeah, that's a that's a good analogy. <laughs> that's a good analogy. Yes, I think before it was everything was uh, within the one city, one country, in between uh, local uh, ethnicities, and with uh, transport development, uh, with globalization, mm -hmm. like people found a way to move uh, around the world very fast and very cheap. So now uh, yeah, the scale just increased, the problem stayed the same. You know, I've been thinking, uh, in Barcelona there's this major urban redevelopment uh, project that's happening in Plaza Glorias. You know, they're pedestrianizing the entire roundabout, taking the cars underground, uh, basically creating a park on top of a roundabout, right? Um, I was very surprised. First, I first I uh, found this place. Uh, yes, yeah, uh, very controversial to have a super 
busy uh, transport need and in the center uh, this chairs cross trees yeah yeah exhibition do you like it do you like the project it was I like like I I, I like the picture of it but the sound the noise I still uh, yeah I try to enjoy the park but all the cars around I still felt quite uh, they're affected there. by yeah, they're still there they haven't really fully finished the project. probably no construction process also yeah totally. I mean probably no is under construction now for ever since COVID no it, like it, there was a huge boom if you go up on the rooftop you will you can if you count the cranes over the neighborhood there's just too many but but I'm thinking like Poblano is a very let's say international district right we've already touched this but sitting right on the other side cross glorious you have a very local Catalan neighborhood. And I have this, let's say, I don't know, fantasy that after that this this roundabout has always been almost like a barrier, like a wall, mm. keeping the internationals, the expats from one side in Poblano and then the Catalans and the, the locals on the other side of the wall. But now with this pedestrianization, basically you're connecting these two neighborhoods. Mm. And I have this feeling that this park is going to be a place to that where these two different demographics will mingle. So it's catalyst of gentrification. This is what I'm I'm thinking. Is who will win? Is it the people of Poblano that are just going to start, let's say, entering into the more local Catalan neighborhood and in ten years' time we will start seeing the expansion of Poblano? Or we will see the opposite. Poblano being more local, or maybe it's going to be balanced out, you know? Who knows? Hopefully, it will be balanced. Um, how do we reach that balance? Do you have any thoughts on this? How, how can we move towards more? Well, since I'm just a new immigrant in Barcelona for one year, I'm still very interested in those Catalan food, Catalan store. Hmm. Okay, I have a very particular example. I was walking home from Ayak, from Ayak to back to home. Um, I cross Pompleno and I cross the street that like a wall between the Catalan wife and the international wife. And I immediately saw a bar that is very noisy, very vibrant. Uh, there is a, it's a band is playing some very good rock and roll music and it's in Spanish. I don't understand. And the, the band members are all like, over 15 years old and the local people are just having fun in this bar inside the bar and outside the bar enjoying the music and it, it attracts me even i don't understand what they are singing about i just want to go in and get a beer right i, I think people still have this interest on this local identities because it's local identities yeah you can only find them here, locally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But I, I suppose that the, only the most attractive places uh, will be saved from this tendency, like super pointed throughout the city, like one, one in. Uh, 20 minutes 
uh, accessible area, something like that. So the 20, like, 20 minute city. Yes, like yeah. a local, uh, fascinating place for food, for you know, hairdressing. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, as you as you've said, social economic growth is just inevitable in cities, right? It's just the the devil is in the details when you're actually growing economically a, a city as a as a planner or as an investor you tend to focus much more let's say on the profits right you're making an investment you're putting in uh, a capital and you're expecting to get to get something in return in 10 15 years time and that view of a city completely distorts the social aspects, what's actually going to happen for you to, for you as an investor to get your capital back from your investment, that means that people will actually have to suffer. People will have to be displaced. They don't care about terms of, such as gentrification, or at least maybe this is the way we picture the evil investor in the city, right? But I guess the idea is to, you know, even though this is an inevitable parts of urban planning and urban growth we need to be aware that every time somebody wins in the city somebody else is going to lose something uh, maybe they have to they're forced to be displaced or the rental cost is going to increase and their salary is not going to increase uh, yeah. so, yeah. so the people still rest there are still uh residents go to elections till they can be depressed which affects the other population as i told before about uh, some ethnicities are struggling with that and it's in the interests of the government and uh, if they uh, deal with uh, um, some developers they should establish some regulation for them to avoid uh, social losses and you know, to keep keep the status uh, status quo yeah and the city and uh, themselves so. well do you have any closing comments something that you would like to add before we close something that you think we missed in our conversation something that you wanted to talk about mm, maybe i we have a proposal for the cities that facing gentrification you have a proposal uh, very generic okay <laughs> so the social economic growth is inevitable in the city but how can we make its impact less traumatizing for different migrant ethnicities on the issue of forced relocation? So since the displacement is an inevitable result from this growth, the planners can take advantage of these movements. Since the people are moving, the capital can also move in. Turn this monocentric urban sprawl into a polycentric urban development. So the people even they have to be displaced from the very city center of Barcelona. Maybe they can move to Badalona just half an hour 
or one hour metro away that they they still can find a good job they still can afford the rental price so it's a balance for the city and also for the citizens for the ethnic groups and it's also balancing the speed of development if you develop not just the uh, close to city center areas but about the whole metropolitan area you have lower speed to be at the same time in many places so people can adapt to the speed uh, these minorities and continue to I don't know uh, increase their qualification in a low speed as they feel comfortable with and Mm. But by speed, you mean uh, speed of uh, Ad- adaptation, adaptation to the progress of. So. Master Plan is a project of IAX Master in City and Technology, a program that is redefining the analysis, planning, and design of cities around the world. The show is produced at the Institute for Advanced Architecture of Catalonia, located in sunny, ever so beautiful Barcelona.